Amen. Well, good morning, Living Stones. It is good to see you guys today. I'm glad that you are here in the room. Thank you, everybody who's joining us online this morning. Make sure you say good morning and hello to your church family today. Um, I'm excited to uh, be able to share with you this morning. Um, if you are either here in the room or you're joining us online, you can check in with us on our, uh, on our LSC app, submit prayer requests and all that, and we will be taking communion at the end of service today. Um, I also just want to say good morning and welcome uh, anybody who's joining us for the very first time today. We are uh, so glad that you are here and uh, glad that you are a guest with us here this morning. If you are joining us for the very first time today, I, I want to encourage you to do something uh, a little bit different today. Uh, I, I, what I want you to do is I want you to pull out your phone if you are here with us, or even if you're joining with us uh, online for the first time, pull out your phone and I want you to text the word hello to 574-633-1574, and, and uh, it is six, it is 633-1574, if you're here with us for the first time, I want you just to, just say, text the word hello to us, um, just, and it would just be uh, our way of just being able to welcome you, give you a little bit more information about who we are a as a church. And we want to be able to, to share a gift with you, a gift of appreciation. We're also, uh, if you are with us for the first time today, we want to make a uh, $3 donation to a local charity just for you coming and visiting us uh, on your behalf today. And so uh, if, you, if you would, it would be great for us. And also, if, if you are here in the room, if you'd rather you're more comfortable uh, in your bulletin that you grabbed on your way in, there's a Connect card in there that you can fill that out uh, as well. Um, just dropping that off, and again, it gives us an opportunity just to share with you a little bit more about who we are, and, and like I said, we're going to make a, uh, a donation uh, to a local charity on your behalf as well. But we're glad that you are here worshiping with us today, and if there's anything we can do for you, uh, it would be our pleasure to do so. All you need to do is just ask. Um, two, uh, two things I want to share with you real quick this morning. First one is that right after second service today, we are going to have our Next Steps Explore class. Um, and, and so, you know, we, we've asked, we've been talking about this for the last couple weeks. Um, so e even if you haven't signed up for it, you can still just show up. I would love to have you be a part of our Next Steps Explore class. You can learn more about who we are as a church. You get to uh, get to know me a little bit better, hear from myself, from our elders, from our staff, just kind of hear our history of who we are as a church, where we've been and, and where we're going, and give you an opportunity just to kind of ask any questions you might have about who we are, about why we do the things we do, and, and hopefully be able to help you take your next step here with us at Living Stones Church. We, we want to help you find your place here as well. So make sure you stop by uh, or come by uh, after second service. We'll be in the community room. We'll serve you lunch. It's going to be a great time in there. And then finally, uh, before we get into the message this morning, I just wanted to take a, a moment here today just to celebrate one of our teams, and brag on Meredith and our entire student ministry team. Um, I, I'm so grateful for all that uh, our student ministry team has been doing uh, for a long time, but especially during, during COVID, just to minister uh, and to love on our students. So right now we average about 43 students that uh, participate in our student ministry during COVID, no less, which is uh, really awesome. And, and I would just, the, Meredith's entire team has just done an amazing, amazing job um, because I, I know most of us here in the room, you don't get to you don't get to see what goes on, you know, in our student ministry. You you probably don't get to hear a lot of the stories either. And and those of us who are grown in the room, like we remember what it was like being a teenager. 
We remember just the, the awkwardness and the difficulty that, that it was being a teenager. And, and let me tell you, like our students, our teenagers today, I, they have pressures that we didn't have when, when we were growing up. And, and I mean, they were walking through a very uh, difficult time and, and, and a very turbulent time just to be, just to be, just to be alive, just to be a, a teenager. And, and I'll tell you, like, I'm so grateful for our student ministry team just working working with them through things like self-image, you know, self-harm, identity, depression, anxiety, relationships. Um, like we, we and, and I'll tell you, like we have a number of students that come to our youth ministry that, that are their, our youth ministry is their only church experience. They, they don't, their families don't come here on a Sunday morning and that we get to be like that, that representation of Jesus to them on, on a weekly basis. And so I'm just so thankful and grateful that they, uh, that our team is just pouring into all of them. They're just doing a, a great, a great job. And uh, I'm just so proud of, of the work that uh, Meredith and our entire student ministry team. Can we just give them a big hand right now for pouring into our students and our teenagers? Just love the work they do. It's often a thankless job, but I'm, I'm extremely grateful for uh, just for everybody who's, who's a part of that. Part of that is as a dad, because I've, I have, my daughters are in our student ministry uh, as well, and I'm just so thankful for that. So with that, we are going to take up our, our morning tithes and offerings today. We are not passing the buckets as we normally would, um, but there are several different ways that you can, you can give. Um, there's giving envelopes um, at the back, also in your bulletins, that if you want to give here in person, we have boxes at the back of the worship center that you can put your, uh, your gift in. Um, you can give online, you can give through our app, you can give through text. And, and let me tell you, your, your generosity allows us to do things like minister to the teenagers right here, not just in our church, but just in our entire community and in our neighborhood. Your generosity makes that possible. And, and I just want to thank all of you uh, for that. It gives us the chance to, to love our students and point them towards Jesus. And, and it's our way of living, as you've heard me talk about, living an others-first kind of life. That, that's my desire for who we are as a church. And so if you would, let me just pray over our, our giving this morning, uh, pray over our message, and we will get into our time together. So Father, we, do, we just thank you, God, so much for, for what you're doing, for who you are. God, thank you for this church. God, that you have called us to this neighborhood, to this community, Lord, to, to love on and to be a blessing and to serve those that are right outside our doors, Lord. God, thank you for the teenagers that come and participate in our student ministry. Lord, those who, who, are, who are members of this church and those who have no other church background or church family, Lord, God, thank you for the opportunity we have to bless them and minister them and point them towards you. And I just pray, God, for favor for Meredith and the entire student ministry team, Lord, that as they uh, speak into the lives of, of our students, Lord, that, that they would have hearts that are open to, to receive Father, that, that they are going to be shaped and molded into being world changers for you. God, I'm so grateful for, uh, for them. Lord, thank you, God, for this church, that as we come together, as we see value in the next generation, Lord, they are worth our investment. And God, we just freely give, we, we freely uh, pour into and invest into the lives of, of, the, of the children and the teenagers that are coming behind us, Lord. God, I just thank you, God, for the opportunity to pastor such a great church. And Lord, I just pray for your blessing upon this service, Lord, that as, as I speak here this morning, God, that you would prepare our hearts to hear from you, God, hear what you want us, what you want us to hear, Lord, and, and Father, that, that we are just, we open ourselves up to you, and we ask God for you to have your way in this service, Lord. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
Well, we are starting a new series today that we are calling Jesus-Centered Life. And, and if you've been with us the last number of weeks, you know, we've been, we were talking about the Old Testament story of Nehemiah and his, his dream of heading back to his hometown of Jerusalem to rebuild the walls around his, his city, rebuild the walls around his hometown. And, and one of the things that we've talked about over the course of that series, and one of the things that jumps off the page when you read the account of Nehemiah, is that he was a man that, that he, he always put God at the center of everything it was that he did. Like from, from the very first time that he heard about the walls being broken down, like he prayed and said, God, I, w- I need your help. I want you to help me to be successful in this endeavor of, of trying to rebuild the walls. And, and every step along the way, no matter, you know, when, whenever they achieved any modicum of, of success whatsoever, God was the one who received the praise and the glory and the, and the honor for it. And, and I love that aspect of Nehemiah's life, that he wasn't about building himself up. He wasn't about uh, living his, you know, fo- a life focused on himself, on his glory, his praise, or his agenda. But he was always saying, God, I want you to be the center focal point of my life. And, and this has been something that I've been pondering and I've been thinking a lot about for myself, for my family, for, for our entire church. That what would it look like for us as individuals and as a church to truly have our lives centered around Jesus? Like, it's one thing to talk about it. It's one thing to, to, to verbally say it and say, oh yeah, you know, Jesus, he's the center of my life. But it's another thing for us to actually do it. And, and, and when we read through the four gospel accounts of Jesus's life, there was something that was just so magnetic, so attractive about his life, that, that people from all over came to him constantly. That Like, everywhere he went, people were drawn to him. No, no matter where it was, people by the thousands, they came, they flocked to him just to hear him, for him to touch them, to, to pray over them, to hear him teach. And, and, and crowds, they just, they wanted to just catch a glimpse of, of this man. There was something that was just so inviting, so different about him than anything they had ever experienced before. I mean, e- even kids, like kids were drawn and attracted to him. Jesus was not some, some somber, stuffy, quiet, boring person. No, like, I, I, like kids piled on top of him and they, and they were all over, you know, like they loved being around him. He was fun. He was exciting. And, and I love that, that mental picture of him just being this attractional person. There was something that was just, that people were just drawn to over and over again. And there was something, again, like I said, just about the way he lived, the way he spoke, the way he treated others that just made him completely irresistible to those around him. And unfortunately today, that same thing can't be said for many of Jesus's followers. That I, I've heard some version of, of this quote in one form or fashion of saying, I like Jesus, but it's his followers that I can't stand. I don't know if you guys have ever heard something like that before. And, and, and I'm not trying to be ugly here, but man, like how often has it been the case where, where Christians, where followers of Jesus end up repelling people outside the faith because they don't act, look, or sound anything like the Savior that they claim to follow and they claim to represent. Like, mo- most people, most people don't have a problem with Jesus. They, like, when you, when you read through Jesus' life, the things he taught, the things he said, like, that, that's, that's exciting to most people. Most people don't have a problem with him. In fact, I would argue that Jesus is every bit 
as appealing and attractive and refreshing today as he was 2,000 years ago when he walked on this earth. He still is today. But what people struggle with is those who claim to follow him but live a life that is anything but a true reflection of him. That, that's what people can't stand. What, 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 you know, the, the hypocrisy is what drives the world away. Not, not a Christian sincere devotion, but it's when we say we believe one thing and then we do something else. Like we, we see this in politics, you know, seeking, seeking power over love in, in social media interactions. Like, I mean, if you want to find a true cesspool, just read like through the comments, you know, on, on social media posts and on videos and, and all of that. I, I mean, in people who profess to be believers, profess to be followers of Jesus saying some of the most hate-filled things. It, it's just, it, it's grieving. And, and I could go on and on, but we've all experienced it. We've all seen it. And if we're all honest with ourselves, we've all done it too. Like we've all been a part of that. There, there's, we all fall short uh, of this. Like we've all been hypocrites before. And, and so like, let's just, let's just be brutally honest with ourselves here and not just be thinking about, oh, you know, so-and-so, they need to hear this. They, they need to be the ones that they really need to hear this message. No, I, w- I want us to take in an introspective look in our own lives and say, all right, where, where is there a breakdown for, for me, not just pointing it out in somebody else? It's easy. Like Ansel and I were talking about this even on our drive up here. It's easy to point out the flaws and the shortcomings of people around us. It's a lot harder to look in the mirror and see it in our own life. So let's just hear, like, what is it that Jesus has to say to us? Now, now let me say this from, from the beginning of, of this series like, we're all works in progress. As I shared with you guys last Sunday, where Peter talks about where our, our, our church name comes from, living stones, you know, that, that we are being built into a spiritual house, you know, that, and, I, and I made, I pointed out last week that that's, that, that, that verbiage is in the present tense. We are being built. We are all works in progress. We're all at different spots in our, in our walk, in our journey with God. And he's working on each one of us. So what I'm not going to do in this series, I'm, I'm not giving you like a, a religious list of, of do's and don'ts that, that if we just do these things, all right, well, then we're, we're living that Jesus-centered life. That, that's not what I'm, what I'm going to do. I have no interest in that whatsoever. But what I do want to do in this series is I want to point us towards who Jesus was, the way, he, the way he lived, the way he interacted, the way he spoke, the things that he was passionate about. I want to point us towards that and ask the Holy Spirit to do a work inside each one of us, to ask him to change and to, and to direct our hearts as, as we look to the one who is that ultimate example for us. And, and what I desire to see for myself and for my family and for our church is that we would become a people that, that live like and, and look like and sound like and love like Jesus. That's, that's what I want to see for me. That's what I want to see for our church. And, and I'm convinced about this, that when his people begin to center their lives around Jesus and focus our lives on him, we're going to become every bit as, as irresistible and refreshing and attractive as Jesus was. That when people see that in us, they're going to be drawn to us. They're going to say, all right, there is something different here. I, I, I want what you have. And as, I was, as, I, as I've been praying about this message in this series, there's something that I've just been thinking and, and pondering a, a lot about. And, and a few weeks ago, uh, and in fact, it was the night that we had that big snowstorm, maybe about two, three weeks ago. Um, and, we had, and Dave Sharp, if you guys know Dave Sharp um, here at the church, he, 
he, he gave me an invitation to come on over to his house and have dinner with him that night. And, and, and it was a great time. Like, I, I went to Dave's house, and it was wonderful. We, we, shared, we ate pizza. We talked baseball, which if you know Dave, he's a diehard Cubs fan, which was hard for me to uh, stomach all of his Cubs uh, memorabilia around the house. Um, I'm sorry, Dave. It's just true. Um, but we, we talked baseball. We talked family. We talked faith. And it was just a great time. Like, we just had a, a wonderful time together. And it began with Dave extending an invitation to me, saying, hey, would, would you come? Would you come over to my house? Can, can we have dinner together? And, and I'm so grateful for, for Dave's invite, for his friendship and his hospitality. And, and it, made me, it made me think about this idea of, of invitations. That, that when we all think about it, we all like being invited to things. We all like being in, invited in. You know, whether it be an invitation to somebody's house or to a party, getting invited to lunch or going out to coffee or, or being invited to participate in somebody's small group. Like w when we were kids and, and we, you know, we had gym class, like every one of us wanted to be picked for the team. We wanted to be invited. We wanted somebody to see something in us and say, hey, I want you come be a part of what I'm doing. Or even, even a marriage proposal. You know, when somebody says, I, I'm inviting you. Will you come join me in this lifelong journey together? Like there's something that is so uh, valuable and important about being invited in. It means that somebody notices you. It means that somebody likes you. They believe that, that you have something to offer. And more importantly, and most importantly, that they just, they want to be with you. They want you being with them. And, and it's why the opposite of, of being invited in has such negative effects. That so many people in, in our world today, so many people, and, and maybe some people in this room are watch, joining us online, where we just are, are feel like unwelcome, uninvited, and un unimportant. Because when we feel shut out, when we feel like nobody notices, that nobody cares, that nobody sees value in us, it's a devastating thing. Like feelings of, of loneliness, isolation, of being unwanted, they, they run rampant today. And I've, I mentioned our students are teenagers. Studies show especially with our teenagers that this is something that, that is just a, an epidemic in our society today. Feelings of loneliness and isolation. And let me tell you, COVID has not helped any of that as well. You, you've heard me say this before, but how crazy it is, is it that in a, in a world where we are more connected than ever before, that every one of us has, you know, the, the world in our pockets. We're more connected than we've ever been before. We're also more isolated than we ever have been before. Like there's something so impactful about being invited in. There's something so impactful about it to be a part of something and to know that you belong, that you belong. And, and something struck me that I'd never really noticed before. And all the times that I've read through the four Gospels, the, the accounts of, of Jesus' life, I never really noticed the number of times that Jesus actually extends invitations to people. That he says, hey, I want you. Come be a part of what I'm doing. Follow me. Come. And, and not just to those who are around him at the time. He extends that same invitation to us even today. And, and I'm so grateful for that, that, that we don't have to try and force our way in. We don't have to try to, to earn our way in. But that Jesus, he invites us into a life with him. He looks at us, he looks at you, he looks at me, and he says, 
I want you. I, I want you on the team. Will, will you join me? And as we're talking about living a Jesus-centered life, it, like it's, it's only even possible. It's only even possible for us to live a Jesus-centered life because he first invited us to come be a part of it. That's why this is the, the first part of this series, because we can't even think of doing it unless he's invited us to come be a part of the journey, if he's invited us to become a part of what it is that he's doing. And in my Tuesday morning circle community this week, we, we, were, we were having a really good conversation, and we were talking about how wonderful the grace and the free will of God truly is. That God didn't create us to be robots or puppets, like, I mean, if, if he wanted to, he could have forced us to love him. He could, have, he could have forced us to serve him, forced us to obey him. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that at all because he gave us, he gave us the choice about whether or not we were going to, to love, to follow, to serve him. He didn't just, like, set us up like robots, turn the crank and, and you know, let us go. No, he gave us the option. He gave us the choice to do it because that's what love does. Love, love that is forced isn't really love. Love that is forced is not really love. Like, I, I, could, I could demand of, of Angela that, that she tell me how handsome I am, how, hard, how hardworking and funny and thoughtful I am. Like, I could say, all right, tell me these things. Tell me how awesome I really am. But what would be the point? Like, like sure, like, I want her to say those things, but I want her to say it because it's already in her heart to do, not because I'm twisting her arm and trying to coerce it out of her. Because true love, true honor, true respect is never forced. It's something that, that flows out of, out of a heart that is already soft and pointed in that direction. And, and if, you read through, if you read through the account of Jesus' life, as you, as, as you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he never demands ever that people follow him. He never demands. He, never, he doesn't point a gun at somebody and says, all right, here, follow me, convert, or, or die. Like, he doesn't ever do that. He makes the invitation and leaves the choice to us. He makes the invitation. He, he says, follow me, come. Let, be a part of what I'm doing. But he doesn't, he doesn't force us to, to, to do it at all. And, and as we read through these invitations, as we, as we learn about the invitations that Jesus makes to the people back 2,000 years ago, but also to us today, when we read through those, they, many of them just fly completely in the face of what the world and the culture that they were living in. That, that when he, what he invites us, what Jesus invites us to and what he invites us to participate in is something that's so different from our normal, everyday experience. And I think that was one of the things that was so attractive about Jesus. And so the, 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 first, the very first invitation that he extends, the first extend, invitation that Jesus extends is an invitation to relationship. It's an invitation to relationship. That no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, Jesus, he reaches out, he's calling, and he invites us to come and to follow him. And, and in a world where so many people feel shut out, where so many people feel unimportant and lonely and uninvited, Jesus extends this invitation of relationship. In Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 18, Jesus, the, the, the first invitation he gives us, he starts calling his disciples, he starts calling them to be with him. And it says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come! 
Follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called to them. He extends the invitation again. And immediately they, le they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. He, he, did, the, he did the same thing with Matthew. I, I, I could, I'm not going to go into it, but in, in Matthew chapter 9, Matthew, he's sitting at, at his tax collector's booth, and Jesus walks by and says, Hey, come, fo follow me. Come, come be a part of, of what it is I'm doing. And, and immediately, that's, that's what Matthew did. He stopped what he was doing, and he entered into this relationship with Jesus. And we see this over and over again in Jesus' ministry. Not just for his, the 12 disciples that he called to follow him, but he, he invites everybody. He invited the rich young ruler to sell all your, your stuff and come and follow me. He, he invited sinners. He invited the marginalized. In fact, the, the, the invitation that he gives, he, the, that, that he extends of saying, follow me, he actually says 22 times in the four Gospels where he's walking along and, and he, he sees people says, hey, follow me. Come. Be, be a part of me. Be, be in this relationship with me. And sometimes people did. But there were often times there that they left and they went their own way where, where they walked away from him. Like he, he presented the invitation and he left the choice up to them. Were they going to accept it? Were they going to turn it away? He never forced anybody. He never extended, or excuse me, he never forced anybody. He just made the offer available. He said, be in relationship with me. Follow me. Come, see what I'm doing. Be a part of this life with me. And, and one of the things we see in his life is that he invites people to follow him regardless of, of who they were, what their position was, or what their past was. It didn't, it didn't matter to him. Fishermen were invited. Matthew, the tax collector, he, he was invited. A, a man, like, I, I mean, and, and you would have to know this, like tax collectors, even to this day, like, they're people that people don't like. They were reviled and despised, you know, a man who was probably very alone among his own people. Like, he was, he was essentially a turncoat to his own people, and I'm sure he was very alone. He was invited. He invited Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot was, was invited. You know, the, the Zealots, they were this aggressive political party, this guy who was, who was this religious and political zealot. He was invited to come be in relationship with Jesus. He, he invited the rich and the poor, insiders and outsiders, well-connected and the marginalized, Jews, Gentiles, Samaritans, men, women, and children. Like, Jesus, he was all-inclusive. Regardless of who you were, he said, come, enter into relationship with me. Follow me. Be a part of what I'm doing. And, and what it was that Jesus actually, what was it that he actually called them and invited them to? And it was, it was a very simple invitation. It says, come, fo follow me. I want you to be with me. I want you to hang with me. Be in my presence. Learn. I just want you. I just want you. And I'm sure there's, there's somebody either in the room today, somebody watching us online, that you need to hear that, that, that Jesus wants you. He's looking at you and he's saying, hey, follow me. I, I want you in my presence. I want you on my team. Maybe you were the last one picked for the dodgeball team. Jesus said, no, I, I want you on my team. He's calling out. He's saying, follow me. Follow me. 
the, the second invitation that Jesus makes, not just of relationship. That was the first invitation. The second, rela- or the second invitation that Jesus gives is an invitation to rest. In, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he says, Come to me. He's making this invitation again. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, for I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Like he, he's calling out, he's making an invitation to those who are tired, who are weary, who are burdened, who just feel like the, the weight of the world is on your shoulders. He said, come. He says, I'm going to give you rest. In fact, he repeats that promise twice, that I'll give you rest, and you're going to find rest for your souls. And, and he invites his disciples to rest with him again in Mark's gospel. In Mark chapter 6, verse 30, he says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest, and get some rest. Now, not only does he invite us to follow him, to enter into relationship with him, he also invites us to rest. He invites, he offers rest for the weary. And, and I'm so thankful for this aspect of, of Jesus' life and ministry, that, that following and living a Jesus-centered life is not just about working and pushing and driving and achieving and doing, but he invites us to rest with him as well, Because left to our own devices, so many of us would probably just work ourselves right into the ground. And, and that word rest that, that Mark uses in Mark 6.31 is the Greek word, anap- I'm going to totally butcher this, anapeao. And it's this, it literally means to give rest, quiet, and refreshment. And refreshment. Like I, I, I think of like after like, mowing the lawn on a hot summer day and just sitting and just like out on the chair and just having some lemonade, just, just quiet rest and refreshment. I, I, had a, I had a conversation with a friend of mine a little over a year ago. He, he works at a factory. And, and he was just sharing with me just kind of what, what his work is like. And, and, and one of the things he, he was talking to me about was that he felt like the management at, at the factory he worked at, like they did everything they could to try to squeeze every last every last drop out of their employees. And then when they couldn't perform anymore, they would just kind of spit them out and move on to the next guy in line. And, and, and I'm like, I, I mean, that was heartbreaking to hear, but I've heard stories like that, you know, of, of people that just use you and then set you aside. And I'm so grateful that that's not what Jesus treats us like whatsoever. He doesn't, he doesn't use us for his purposes and then kind of throw us out like, like yesterday's news. But he's the one that beckons us to come near to him. He, he beckons us and calls us to come close and to receive refreshment. I, I see so many people, in, including myself often, where we're just so tired, tired of, of running the race, tired of, of spinning on that hamster wheel. And we just need to find time to just enter into that rest, to be quiet and be refreshed by our Savior. Like, while the rest of the world encourages us to hurry and push and drive and excel. Jesus' invitation is to breathe, to rest, to refresh, and to renew. There's one final invitation we're going to focus on. He invites us into relationship. He invites us to rest. 
But there's one final invitation that really flies in the face of what we experience in our culture today. And this is in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 24. He says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. This final invitation that we're going to focus on this morning is one of self-sacrifice and surrender. Like many of us have probably heard this statement before of take up your cross and and follow me. And Jesus says, I'm inviting you into a life of surrender and and self-sacrifice. In in a world that has so much focus on, on us watching out for number one, you know, buy this car, buy this house, buy this phone or this gadget because you deserve it. How many TV commercials have we heard that? Get, 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 get what you deserve and all this. In a world that tells us over and over again that if it feels good, well then do it. Live your best life now to stand up and, and fight for your rights and fight for your freedoms, fight for your stuff. Jesus flips the script on that. And he invites us into a life that's not about fulfilling our desires and our wants, but about surrendering. Surrendering our will and sacrificing our desires for what? God says is best. Like when, when, somebody, when somebody hurts us, when somebody wounds us, taking up my cross requires that I give up my desire for revenge, to try to get even, to set the score right and getting, getting back at them. Offering forgiveness instead of retribution. Giving grace instead of judgment. Generosity instead of greed. Service instead of selfishness. When he invites us to to take up our cross and follow him, he's saying, I I, I want you to embrace a life of surrender, of self-sacrifice. And and let me remind you, like, Jesus spoke this about taking up your cross before he ever even went to the cross. Like, no no doubt Jesus' followers, they were were well acquainted with crucifixion and and just that brutal, horrible means of execution. They, They understood it. They had seen it happened before. But these words would carry a much different meaning for them once they saw Jesus hanging on the cross himself. The, the whole message of the cross is one of sacrifice, is one of surrender. Like that, That's what Jesus did. He surrendered his will to the Father. He, he sacrificed himself for each of us. And I lay down, when, when I take up my cross, I lay down my thoughts and my plans and my desires and my emotions because the cross is a place of surrender. It's a place of surrender. A place where I put God first, others second, and myself third. And, and in Paul's famous passage in Galatians 5, you know, many of us have heard that passage before where Paul talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit. And immediately after this passage where Paul's talking about what the fruit of the Spirit are, Paul takes Jesus' admonition of taking up our cross and he expounds on it in Galatians Two, four, he says, those who belong to Christ have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature. Uh, excuse me, I'm, let me start this again. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. He's saying, he, what, what Paul's saying, he said, my desires, my passions, the things of my flesh that I naturally want to pursue on my own, I willingly surrender and I willingly sacrifice those things at the cross. And that can be a difficult invitation to accept. 
Nobody likes, nobody likes the idea of surrender, do we? Like if you, not that Angel and I have ever argued once in our life, but like you get an argument with your spouse, you don't want to be the first one to back down. Like you, you want to, no, this, I'm going to prove my point. But that's not the way of the cross. That's not the way of, of surrender. That's not the way of sacrifice. In our, in our own mind, in our own flesh, nobody likes the idea of, of surrender. We want what we want, we want it. We want it now. I don't want to give things up. But Jesus says, I have a better way. Jesus said, my way is a better way. My way is a better way. And instead of filling, fulfilling our desires and thoughts, he says, join me. Join me in a life of, of selflessness, of surrender, of self-sacrifice. And this, this is the type of life that Jesus invites us to participate in with him. And like I said, it's not an easy invitation to accept. But it's when he says, this is, this is so, this is a way of doing life that is so different from what you've been used to. He says, I, I, I'm inviting you into relationship. I'm inviting you to rest. I'm inviting you to surrender. I, yesterday, I, I, I went for a, a long walk yesterday morning. It was, it was a beautiful day. Love seeing the, the sun out. I, I've, uh, being outside, being in God's creation, like that's, that's where he refreshes and speaks to me. And, and as, I was, as I was just kind of praying as I was walking, God brought something to mind that just really stuck with me. And, and, I, and I just absolutely loved this. And it was, God was sharing with me, religion demands, but Jesus invites. Religion demands and Jesus invites. Re religion presents us with a list of rules and then demands our compliance. But Jesus, he paints a beautiful picture and he, and he invites us to be a part of it. Religion says that your, dis your obedience makes you righteous, where Jesus says your faith and trust in me makes you righteous. Religion says do. Jesus says come. Religion says perform. Jesus says rest. And as I, as I think about and, and reflect on the life of Jesus, I think one of the things that was most appealing and one of the things that was most attractive about his life is that he offered a narrative that was completely different from everything that was around them at the time. The narrative that, that he spoke, the, the things that he shared, what he invited people to be a part of and to participate in was so different than everything that they, that they experienced around them all the time. To, to a world that was, that was alone and isolated, insular and divided, Jesus offered an invitation to relationship that regardless of, of your status, of your means, of your background, he looked and he said, I, I want you, I choose you, be on my team, walk with me and follow me to a world that, that is just consuming and exhausting and unyielding and driven, Jesus offers an invitation of rest and refreshment and restoration. Stop doing and start being. Like, I, I desire your presence more than I desire your productivity. And in a world that's so self-seeking and, and narcissistic, egotistical and selfish, Jesus offers an invitation to a life of sacrifice and surrender, of us relinquishing our rights. He says, I offer you a better way. I'm offering you a different way to live. And, and it's no wonder. It's no wonder that people flocked from all over by the thousands to be with him because there was something so different, 
so appealing, so refreshing. It was so completely out of the norm of everything that they experienced. He, he took, you know, he took what the religious leaders of the time and what the Romans and the popular culture fed, force-fed people all the time, and he flipped it upside down, flipped it on its head. Like, leave it, live in a, living a Jesus-centered life is not about going with the flow. It's not about going with the conventional wisdom of our day. But Jesus paints a, a picture that's so different and so unique and, or, and, and out of the ordinary of, of what our regular lives are like. And he's inviting all of us to walk in this journey with him. Every, every one of us. He, he, he won't ever force himself. You know, we, we, you may have heard that before. Jesus, he's, he's the perfect gentleman. He doesn't force himself on anybody. He offers the invitation. He won't demand it of you. He say, will you come with me? And so if you've never accepted that invitation, like today is going to be your day. And, and even if you have, even if you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, I just want to ask yourself, do, like, do I need to renew that commitment in a way? Do I, do I need to reaffirm, yeah, you know what? Jesus, I am going to follow after you. I want to enter into your rest. I want to live that life of self-sacrifice, of surrender. And so I want to close our service this morning just with offering that same invitation that Jesus did. Asking you to, to come with him, to follow him, to rest with him. That, that he, Jesus offers eternal life. He offers eternal life. And the only thing that it requires is faith. Trust, trust and believe. Trust that Jesus is who he said he was and believe that he paid for your sins. Paul wrote in Romans 10, 13, 10, 13 that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That if we accept that invitation, if we say, all right, yep, Jesus, I, I'm in. I'm following you. I'm trusting you. I'm believing in you. I, I am putting my whole faith and trust in you. It says you will be saved. What, what an amazing promise that is. He's inviting us to follow him. He's, he's inviting us into relationship with him, to rest with him, to take up their cross for a better way. So we're going to pray right now, and I'm going to ask everyone just to close your eyes and just bow your heads. And I, and I just want to just ask everybody here that if you've never accepted that invitation to follow Jesus before, I, I want to give you that opportunity right now. This goes for anybody who's joining us online too. That if you've never said, yeah, Jesus, you know what, I, I am, I'm in. I'm following after you. I want to enter this relationship with you. I want to trust you. If that's you would, you, would you just, nobody's looking around, would you just raise your hand right now? Would you say so online? Because I want to give you an opportunity right now. Say, Jesus, I accept that invitation. And like I said, maybe you've been following him for a while. You say, I, I want to renew this commitment. I, I, want, I want to, Jesus, I am in once again. I, I am Maybe, maybe I've walked away. Maybe I've strayed a bit. Maybe I've gotten kind of lukewarm in, in, my, in my faith walk. And I just want to renew that commitment again. And that's you. I, I want to pray for you this morning as well. So let's, let's pray together. Father, I just thank you, God, for your amazing love. Thank you, God, that you look at us and you invite us into a life with you, Lord, that you extend that invitation to us, Lord, though, though we didn't deserve it. God, in the same way that that Matthew was, was a sinner. He was a tax collector. He was, he was despised and hated and probably very alone in his own world. 
God, that you look at the Matthews of the world. You look at, at the Pat Malloys of the world. He said, I want you on my team. I want you to engage and be a part of this relationship, this life with me. Would you, would you come and follow and be a part of what I'm doing? Lord, thank you for inviting us. Thank you for extending that invitation, Lord. And, and God, we, we accept it today. Lord, we accept the, the fact that you died a, 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 a sinner's death on the cross, one that you didn't deserve. You lived a perfect life. And Lord, yet you took up your cross. You willingly surrendered your will, surrendered your life, sacrificed yourself so that we could be in relationship with you. And God, we, we just thank you for that. And God, we put our full hope and faith and trust in what it is that you did and accomplished on the cross. That you took the, you took the punishment for our sins that we deserved and you took them on as your own. God, we accept that invitation today to follow after you, to begin to be part of uh, starting a relationship with you, be walking with you, being present with you. We accept the invitation to rest, for you to, to, to refresh and replenish us. And Lord, this morning, we accept that invitation to take up our cross and to follow you, to live a life that's not about fulfilling me and my desires and my thoughts, but surrendering those to you. And God, living a life where your desires are more important than mine. God, we walk in that way today. We start that journey. We're following after you and we're asking God to help us put you at the center, the focal point of our lives, that we would all, as Living Stones Church, live that Jesus-centered life. Father, we just thank you and love you so much for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.